Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 495. Johnny, I'm in Arizona now. I feel like, yeah, okay, I was in a different state last week. Yeah, I'm in Arizona, and we have to recap what just happened at the Chess.com Invitational that took place in Florida as I just ventured from Oregon to get down to Arizona. So, yeah, yeah, this is, all of this makes perfect sense. (laughs) Well, you're in Wisconsin. All of this makes perfect sense. I don't know why people and look it's at probably, me funny when they see me in the course. And they're like, weren't you just, yeah, I was somewhere else. It's Some probably nicer here. Or I'm back in the country. Than where it is you, where you are right now. <laughs> Today was gorgeous. Uh, we had a beautiful 61 degrees. Okay. It's a little nicer than that here and we'll take it. But uh, yeah, so it sounds like I'm missing out on some very mild uh, weather up there uh, in Wisconsin. So tomorrow it might snow. Oh, okay. Well, that's like, not so good for you. No, um, it, <laughs> quite possibly. They're saying maybe nothing's going to stick. It's going to be kind of maybe, you know, kind of that weather. But today was gorgeous. You know, 60 degree plus weather here in Wisconsin in February is a rarity, but we'll we'll take it even if it's just fleeting. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, it was, uh, it was mild in Bend this last weekend, but what wasn't mild? Just to throw it out there, the 80s party, Saturday night. We could uh, tell Bethel on been... uh, Sunday morning, Terry. Everyone oh, could kind of no, tell. No, that wasn't related. No, oh, no, 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 not related. That, yes, that's not related. That That is legitimate sickness that I'm still working on recovering from. I don't think the 80s party, dance party really helped. But, yeah, that was, that was still part of the sickness. Um, yeah, sure. Bevel has been doing a number of themed dance parties, I guess, over the last few months. This weekend fell on the 80s, which wouldn't be the, the first selection for you or I. Uh, of course, we would go 90s or 2000s if given the choice, but they've already had the 90s and the 2000 <laughs> party. So it was the 80s this weekend. I, mean, uh, I can get down to some 80s. Funny, I mean, that was, you, you know. Can. Yeah, my, yeah, you can. My youth. Um. The the best part about it, and maybe this fits some of the genre, and it fits a little bit of the actual uh, staying in tune with Bevel and kind of their philosophy in this very community-based uh, tap room and uh, brewery that they have. The party on a Saturday night, I think, started at 6 and ended at 9, or maybe it was 7 to 9. Like, that that's the time frame. Not a lot of parties are starting and ending. So it was uh, an 80s party frame. for people in their 80s. <laughs> there were a few there, but there was also a few people in their 20s. So we had a good mix of everybody. Uh, Justin Selmer, who had played in a tournament earlier in the weekend or last weekend, uh, he was there, of course, uh, you know, putting the tunes out. And every Val was in full 80s attire. I didn't I did see that. Occasion. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on. But uh, uh, Val was in full 80s uh, jumpsuit attire and uh, plenty of other people participated in in the festivities so it was really it was really cool to see and a lot of fun over there and uh certainly glad that that was on a weekend that i was around so (laughs) anyway anyway well moving on uh 80s we might see 80 degrees here in arizona this week but uh it sounds like the weather in wisconsin not quite as pleasant well thankfully all right very few people actually shot in the 80s this weekend at the chess at least at least in the mpo field um I'm looking over at the FPO field. Nope, 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 nope. I'm going to, you got to get re- real far down there to see people in that 80s. 
So we're going to talk about the 60s and even the 50s. What? At the chess.com. Yes. Anthony Barella wins in MPO by shooting 60, 59, 61 for a total of 180, taking home $10,000. That's a 10.56, a 10.58, and a 10.41 rated round. Anthony Barella holds off Richard Wysocki. You may have heard of him. Former world champion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I saw him today, too. Well, that's nice. And I saw him with other world champions. He was with uh, Isaac Robinson. And and the reason why I quickly interject on that is it's awesome to see, and we'll talk more about it once we wrap up the chess.com stuff, it is awesome to see that a lot of the guys that had committed to being here for the memorial are, in fact, here. They're already in town and they're practicing, uh, including the likes of Silas Schultz and Isaac Robinson and Gavin Babcock and and uh, and reigning champ Gannon uh, Burr, along with Alden Harris. So uh, they were all out there, and I think they're all staying over there at Rick's. And so there was a round taking place at Fountain. So it was great to see, because I personally did think, and Kale LaVisca in MP40, I thought, are these guys going to drive to Texas and then fly over? Or are they going to fly immediately from Florida? But it's great to see that we've got a very legitimate field here at the Memorial. But anyway, and we'll get more into the, the Memorial a little bit later. Yes, I yes. promise, Terry, we'll be able to plug everything you need. Um, so R- Ricky Wysocki made a storming comeback. Those last, well, actually second and third round, the, the final kind of nine holes. His second round, he shot eight out of nine. His third round, I don't know, I think it was, I think he got the four or five out of nine. Um, to make it a little bit closer, because Anthony Barella had... A little bit of padding going into that final round, into that back nine, and proceeded to just, he strolled in, we'll say, um, while Rick was running, <laughs> quite literally on the course at one point, smashing a giant putt, giving the, the, the raptor legs, and a pretty distinctive cheer, almost in Barella's face at one point after a big putt, uh, whether he meant to or not, that's for Rick to know. But uh, ultimately, third place was Aaron Gossage, who's been shooting extremely well, a 10.39, 10.46, and a 10.60. Uh, Gossage had the hot final round, hot round of pretty much almost the event, and specifically that final yeah, round as well, the 58. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think he ultimately had the lowest score out of all competitors with that final round. And then fourth place was Gannon Burr who obviously we'll uh, talk about a little bit more when it comes to Memorial. Fifth place, Kyle Klein. So you've got your back-to-back uh, Discmania guys right there, four and five. It's got to be good for uh, the House of Disc there. Sixth place, your current world champion, Isaac Robinson, tied with Matty O, and a name we haven't had a chance to say very often recently, Gavin Rathbun. Back on the tour Hopefully, I know there was some uh, back and forth with him about whether or not he was going to do it. Hopefully, this is uh, maybe a a vision of things to come for Gavin on the tour. Uh, getting into that sixth place for $2,034. That's a nice payday when you're considering maybe whether or not you should or shouldn't tour. Uh, we'll round up the top ten. Jesse Niemannen, Nicholas Antela, and... My pick for the year, Joey Buckets, Joseph Anderson, all rounding up your top 10 at the chess.com in MPO. Uh, and Joey Anderson, like I said, I've been I've been pumping up that guy since the guy for the last like two months. Um saying that he's he's a, a not a 
we'll say not a regularly known name on the tour. A lot of fans don't maybe necessarily know him. I only specifically know him because of you and your coverage of like throw down the mountain, Terry, where you pointed me out to him a while ago. I was like, this gets good. Like he's going to be good. And sure enough, he's uh he's the highest rated sleeper. I know at 1031. So, um, joy buckets getting that top 10 finish at throw down the, well at the chess.com formerly <laughs> known as thrown down the mountain. It, well, not uh, really. It's a different I'll, event, I'll throw same down the, course. Yeah, Throw Down he, the Mountain is still happening. It's and still I wanna, happening. I'll talk about that in a bit. But, yeah, it's still happening. Yeah. So it's not really formally, but it is easy to still interchange uh, exactly what you're talking about for some yeah. people. It's because so, it's, uh, we'll, we'll Throw Down the Mountain's really too. been the only tournament at that course for a long time. So it's, Pretty much, it's, yeah. And, and I know the course has tweaked and changed a little bit from what, we, what we've seen in the past, but I would say that Joey has a comfort level at this course. Seeing as how you know he he's he's from Georgia, so just a little bit Athens, Georgia, just a little bit further north um, of of you know probably a couple hours away, but he's familiar with the area. So Terry, talk me through your MPO experience. I know you covered you were an FPO commentator, so you maybe didn't yeah. get a lot of the 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 action on MPO. I know you you probably you know you probably watched your fair share, but. Tell me, tell me your thoughts yeah, on the event. Yeah, what what I can break down and and maybe pull back the curtain on just a little bit. Uh, well, for starters, I didn't actively and aggressively watch rounds two and three on the MPO side. Uh, <laughs> I was up, and, and this isn't a complaint. This is just a little backstory. I was up. I think my alarm was set for uh, four every day to be over to Nathan Val's by 4.30, which is a few minutes away. So getting up at 4 to be over at their house at 4.30 uh, because we had basically call time at 4.45, our time. And so as you can imagine, I don't uh, – kudos to anyone that can go to bed early so that waking up that early doesn't punish them too badly. My, I just don't operate that way. So by the time we got done, which was relatively early in the day, it was also easy for me to be a little mentally exhausted and or checked out. And so after the YouTube round took place on Friday where I was editing stuff and working on it while it was on in the background, Saturday and Sunday, I kind of was just sidetracked and we were doing some other stuff and I was getting stuff organized and getting ready to leave and do all these other things. So I only kept like a, a wandering eye and I already had some frustrations with some travel on Sunday. Uh, so I only kept a wandering eye on the actual broadcast for Saturday and Sunday afternoon. And I'll, I'll, I'll back up even more. There was a concern at one point as to everything running smoothly or not from a broad, from a booth perspective, because anytime we take a booth on site, there's always a few extra challenges. That's one of the reasons why I go to Bend is because we have uh, great internet. We're indoors. Everything is solid and set up in that capacity. However, there's been kind of this push to be closer to the action or, or more on site in the last couple of years. However, logistically, when I'm working with Nate and Val in the booth and then sometimes Sexton, logistically, it makes way more sense for me as one person to travel to where the other two or three are versus them all going somewhere else. That works that way for their, for their uh, business, for their lifestyle, for now their kid and everyone else. That's how it works out. 
Well, we were kind of on standby because there was a little uncertainty as to everything running smoothly. And so Nate and I were on standby at least until Friday's first few minutes of the broadcast kicking off because uh, things weren't going perfectly. And so Nate and I were just kind of sitting around concerned if we were going to actually have to jump in for really a show and a broadcast that we otherwise had no prior uh, expectation of being involved in. Obviously, I knew the course, which is great, and all those other things when I just got done doing the FPO action. But uh, ultimately, everything worked out. They, of course, had Kenny in the booth, along with Ian, along with Philo. And from that perspective, like I said, I kind of, I don't, I don't want to say I moderated the chat a little on Friday. I, I, again, I kept a wandering eye on it. When people kept asking where the scores were, I would continue to link to them on the PDGA website. That's the and big that was question. About it. And I, like, it really was. And I know that has like, there's more to unpack there in a minute. But I was trying to provide any other very legitimate insight into uh, legitimate questions that were asked, I guess, was what I was trying to do without also feeling like, hey, I'm a, I'm a, you know, a volunteer moderator. I wasn't trying to be, but sometimes I just can't help myself. And no, I, I somebody wants to ask something mind. and I... My mod, my moderate, my moderator <laughs> yeah. permissions a, a few years ago. I was, I did not want to have the big blue X on my thing because sometimes when we get in that chat, I like to say whatever the heck I want, and I don't want anyone to think I'm yeah. a, an official DGPT person by any means. If I want to tell somebody to similarly, get bent, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, and 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 that that is uh, that's a fine line. I also tend to uh, you know try to make sure I'm, I'm conscientious of is I'm in there as Terry Miller. I'm not in there, especially at that time. I'm not in there in any capacity as a disc golf pro tour representative. Uh, I, I've performed quote unquote my tasks or my con- contractual obligation for the day. I'm at that point pretty much just a viewer. However, I obviously sometimes have a little additional insight and or maybe explanation to certain things. But even sometimes when I do see or read things either I dislike or, or, or are d- dumb or wrong or whatever, mm. I, I, I'm getting better at just like well, sitting on my hands because uh, I, I, I don't need to get into it um, for you, Terry, or, or whatever. I'm, I'm trying to get better at it as tough as it can be because there's, I've said this for years. The only reason I usually get into it with anybody on the internet is because <laughs> I, I struggle with seeing stuff that is just absolutely inaccurate that I know is inaccurate. And I hate just to see it continue to get spread and spewed. Mm-hmm. And that's often what drags me in the quickest is stuff that's just dead wrong. Um, but anyway, so that, that, that was about it. And uh, in terms of being able to consume, I didn't, okay. of course, go back and watch any post-production. That's just not really my style ever. And that, you know, so it was a little bit of watching the scores, seeing that there was some, some, you know, shifting. I, I, I definitely saw that there was the big lead by AB at one point. And then um, I happened to be boarding or getting off of a plane just as AB was approaching on 18. Ah. And clearly that ended up being like one of the most significant shots, uh, you know, to scare things. And uh, it, yeah, it just looked like a phenomenal battle. And really, other than that, flipping through the scores, what was crazy to me was just seeing where everyone was I yeah mean, there's so many questions coming into were it were there any surprises when, for you in the in the results at yeah. all at the top at the bottom like where where did you find uh where were you i say shocked but but what was what was your take on the score on not necessarily the scores or the scoring but the people's scores 
I mean, really, really just kind of the obvious. And it looked like uh, Simon, uh, I, I looked to a Simon who looks like he had uh, a good final round. He had 66, mm-hmm. 65, and then finished with a 61. Uh, so I, I know that shot him up significantly. Um, and he had poise, some sort of poison ivy on his finger. I don't know if it was his throwing hand or not, but he showed it on his Instagram. He'd got poison ivy, I think, on his in between his fingers. So I don't know if that okay. had any effect on his on his game because I honestly couldn't tell which hand it was. Uh, I didn't look sure. close enough. But that, that yeah, may I have mean, been. Yeah. Hmm. The most obvious, uh, first of all, anytime you see you know a Chris Dickerson not in the top five or ten, just because of his consistency, you're always going to be shocked by that. But uh, without a doubt, I, I don't think anyone else could have been possibly more shocked, and everyone would have lost their ass uh, on some bets, is seeing Kelvin Heinberg in 34th. Not even, as they said, not even the best Kelvin at the event. Like 34, and this is no rip on Kelvin. I mean, because we know how damn good he is. But mm-hmm. Kelvin? 34th at any event and like dare, dare i say when's the last time he finished that low at oh, any event had a 34th you, place finish i bet you it was last year or something oh dumb. my gosh uh no <laughs> he, he had a 14th oh that mixed doubles doesn't count no that he had a count. 16th at the champions cup everything else was inside the top five or ten um 16th I'm, at champions cup he had a 35th at des moines two years ago and a 49th oh, Beaver State flame. Beaver State. Now, okay. Calvin, I know, yeah, is kind of fighting through some injuries. Uh, he's al- he's always got kind of a back thing, I believe, going on. But now I believe he has some sort of elbow issue where he's limiting his forehands. And I'll tell you, if you look at this course and the players that finished at the top of it, you can immediately point to Anthony Barella. Phenomenal forehand, maybe the furthest forehand in our game right now. Ricky Wysocki, he was a primarily a forehand player when he first came on, so we know he's got that. Gossage, maybe the second best forehand player in the game right now. Uh, Gannon Burr has a solid forehand. Kyle Klein has, I mean, most of these players have a pretty solid. Matty O is the one that I would look at and say, if there was somebody in this that has a weaker forehand than the rest, or I'm sorry, Isaac Robinson. Isaac Robinson, not sure. known for his forehand. But those top guys, this course favored a player who can throw not just forehand. You had to have backhand and forehand, but it definitely benefited you more than some other events to have a really solid forehand. It's By the way, if you hear anything, it's really thundering outside right now, like hardcore. It feels like it's right outside this window. But um, I think for, Schultz? I don't think he's here. No, no, he's not. No, he's He posted oh. somewhere else. So, yeah, so I think a really solid distance forehand helped out a ton on this course um just in general so you could you could you could really see that in this uh in the results i think so it's it if calvin is nursing an injury and neglecting to throw forehands i mean would i have expected him that low probably not but i would have guessed probably 10 to 15th if you, if you you know hindsight, but Calvin not not playing well, so we'll see if that's yeah. you know is if that's something that we need to watch out for this season or yeah, I mean all, all we can do is just wait to to see what you know happens in Texas. And when he takes top three in Texas uh, at the first two events, then maybe we'll just chalk that mm-hmm. up as this weird anomaly uh, because that I think that's the more likely scenario. We see him 
in the top three or the top five at the next couple of events. And then we're just like, okay, well, yeah, he had a bad weekend. Um, th- that's just my guess. And obviously his track record is what would lead me to say, say as much, but I guess we'll and see. Doc Zen does clarify for Simon. It was the poison ivy on his throwing hand as well. So okay. for Simon. So that is, that is an issue here. Um, yeah. And then, the- uh, you know, it's, it's without a doubt that missing cash by two strokes on this property that he knows so well. Yes, coming back from injury, I get all of that. But I think it's fair to say plenty of people were still surprised to see Macbeth out of the cash in 52nd place because for so many years we've always said, like, Macbeth on his bad day is still pretty damn good. And uh, I I didn't see enough of the golf. Well, obviously we only saw him really round one. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't see it in, you know, we don't know what happened necessarily in rounds two and three as to what led him there and, and just how much he's well, fully recovered or not. I know he talked in the press conference about not having his all of his distance yet, but it really looks like he just had a know, really miserable enough? round three. Honestly. I mean, if, if you uh, if, and, if you look at the scores, he, he his first round wasn't spectacular, but it wasn't you know, make or break. I think he was off the lead by six strokes. Yeah. Five or six. Right. And yep. then it was a ten twenty two. Then he shot a ten thirty four. So he got better, but then his 70 on the final round is like nine eighty six, a nine eighty six Terry. So like, here, here's just, the question. Did, did he wear uh, out? What did I'll he say break down? Did he, I don't know. Or was it the opposite? Did he have an all or nothing mentality? And he said, Hey, so I'm going to try to, uh, we, we we don't know, and obviously he wasn't on a card that you know that that received coverage. Sometimes when he's got his back up against the wall, you think of a couple years ago when he's at Champions Cup and he's on the fifty fifth card. Just kidding, it was like the fifth card, and he's in twenty fifth or thirtieth place or wherever he was. Then he goes out and shoots a fourteen under, and he's he's going for everything. Just my immediate reaction to seeing the score with without having any idea whatsoever. My immediate reaction is he was just all balls to the wall, so to speak. Maybe. Like, that was just, that's just a guess. I have no idea. He could have been missing 10 footers for all I really know. Because, again, we don't have the coverage. But my guess would be he didn't hold back at all and just was simply going after everything. And if that turned into, you know, a bogey or double bogey, who cares? It was, I'm going for everything. I'm going to try and make a big move. Yeah, because I'm looking at his final round right now on uh, on mm-hmm. PDGA. It's so hard not to say on UDISC. On PDGA, um, thir- hole 13, he took a bogey. 14, he took a bogey. 15, he took a double bogey, and then he went par, par, par. A, yeah, not to par mention five. Yeah, not to mention a, a, a double bogey earlier in the round. It just maybe wasn't his day. Who knows? That's uh, but that's yeah, that's, a, that's possible. A, that's Absolutely. a rough 986. You just don't think of. You don't think of that when you think of Paul McBath. Uh, uh, I mean, he made zero C2 putts. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. looking at it now as well. He made zero C2 putts. Uh, he was 10 of 12 from C1X. Uh, th- he hit 13 out of 19 fairways. Um, yeah, I mean, a fairway percentage at 68% or whatever, but zero C2 putts. I mean, that tells you a little bit of something. You, you think one of the best players in the world is going to make one or two during a round. Um, but, yeah. It, uh, well, that so course, I think that's fair to say that uh, you know, and I know the PDGA is working on this, um, looking at like the course stats and whatnot. I have to wonder 
how many C2 putts were even available out there? Because the, a lot of those greens are dangerous. Where if you're running sure. at something, you have a chance to roll away. So would it shock me if if you looked at this event in comparison with a, with we'll just say Waco next next week or in two weeks and say mm-hmm. players weren't running at C two nearly as hard as they were because of we I mean on coverage we saw multiple rollaways we saw players For that sure. you know got burned by by running at it and then ending up behind a, a I, I want to call it a bush I know that's not what they are but. Uh, the, <laughs> it's, this is, it kind of reminds me, and not a lot of people know of the, you know, a little bit of De La sure. in, in the greens where it's just, you know, you, sometimes you just have to take your medicine. So, so we'll, yeah, we'll see. and that's, I think that's a really, uh, astute point. I don't know if that was an original of yours, but nice work. It was, there's a ton of, there's, there's a ton of situations where you, you can't even think about it if you wanted to. And like right off the bat, just for instance, uh, whole, whole 17 comes to mind, whole one, depending on the angle that you're on. Uh, there's just a ton of those situations where even if you wanted to, you, it would be not smart to run at it. And then some of those, some of those putts, I think of whole uh, two. Uh, yeah, hole two up into the... No, 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 I'm sorry, not hole two. I guess it would have been hole six this time I'm thinking about the safari layout hole six, like uh, there's a ton of C2 putts that aren't even really putts, right? Yeah. Like, because you can't access the green Barella right? and then think of hole number to uh, win up on the platform. Barella had f- the entire weekend. He made five C2 putts. Hmm. He made, he made three on day one, two on day two and none on day three. He went 0 for 3 on the final day. So he yeah. still won with having only 5 out of 13 of his C2 putts. Now, percentage-wise, that's decent. It's not horrible, but yeah, I just sure. I just think that players are are not we're not as aggressive here. So, in fact, we'll talk about that with our FPO. And we can maybe just move over to FPO about to talk about that with one Evelina Solonen who won in FPO and didn't make a single C2 putt all weekend. So in first place, as I said, Evelina Solonen, who's inside the putt right now, looks really good, by the way. And if uh, if this keeps up, the whole field better look out because we've known for the last three years from T to green, she's the best. Not one of the best. She is the best. She's better than Kristen. She's better than Hannah. From T to green, Evelina Solonen is the best thrower of the disc. Just the way it works. And I like that Terry's face is stuck in a a pondering moment right now. Um, (laughs) Now, obviously, where Tatar makes it up is other places. Her approaching, her putting. But Evelina has proven to us time and time again that off the tee, I think she's the best FPL thrower in in the game right now. Uh, second place, Ella Hansen, shooting 11 under par, five strokes behind Evelina. Third place, a tie with Missy Gallon, Missy Gallon, Missy Gannon, and Holland Handley. Sorry, try to combine their names there for a minute. Um, in fifth place, Hannah Blomrus. In sixth place, Natalie Ryan, who after day one was in the lead. 
and in seventh place, a tie with Stacey Ronsley and Own Scoggins. In ninth place, Morgan Linz. And a tie for 10th place between Cat Merch and making her comeback, Paige Pierce. So Paige coming out of the gate, taking top 10 in FPO. You could, you could tell by the way she walked, by the way she moved, still cautious. Mm-hmm. Like she's just, she doesn't quite look 100% comfortable yet out there. And, and she still took a top 10. She was, I mean, 19 strokes is a pretty decent amount to lose by to Evelina. Mm-hmm. But I think that we'll see Paige Pierce improve over the next month. And get herself probably back up in near that top five area. The competition's just really good right now because I'm looking at this list of women and I'm thinking, who am I going to take out of the top five right now? Evelina, Ella, Holland, Missy, like, and Tatar coming back into the into the scene. Like that looks like a top five plus own Scoggins on any given course. You know this mm-hmm. this course didn't didn't do own any favors. <laughs> it was. It was a it was a distance course for the FPO, and that's not Owen's game. You know, uh, it's just not her thing. But ultimately, uh, I, I don't I don't know. Like I don't know how Paige Pierce is going to get herself up in there. <laughs> but yeah, I I I think this is obviously a really big. You know, these next few weeks are going to be so telling as to how comfortable she is, what she needs to do to get back. Will she ever return to the form she had of, you know, two or three years ago? Is that possible? Uh, you'd like to think, of course it is. If she's healthy, there's no reason why she shouldn't. You know, I, I think her demeanor in talking after day one is she's like, yeah, I, I, I don't have the best score. I didn't have the greatest score out there. She's like, I had a couple bad decisions. I had a couple bad rollaways. Overall, I was pretty happy with my effort out there. And, and you have to wonder if, we didn't talk to Paul, but would Paul say the same thing? And and part of the reason we harp on you know bringing up a Paul and a Page is those were two of the bigger storylines of the weekend. Is that both of them had their year cut short and or finished? You know, Paul not finishing on a good note and not uh, playing even the USDGC, and then obviously Page back in July already of last year. Both of them coming back and both of them titans of the game. So it's very fair. I'm sure there was somebody saying why do why do we care? We've moved on from them. Well. I think they're trying to say, no, you've cared because we've dominated or been <laughs> dominant over the last 10 years. So it is worth, uh, you know, having the conversation. Yeah, I, I, I don't feel as confident about what we saw out of Paul. I, I was a little more surprised by that. And uh, I guess we'll have to see how Paige feels in terms of how she's going to assess the weekend overall. And all we can do is, just like I said about Vinny, though, you, all you can do is wait till next week and and see if there's any more glimpse. You can't take one weekend on one track, I think, and put too much stock in it, just like we didn't about the All-Star weekend. You, you can, I don't think you can do that. No, um, and as you, know, you said, like the yeah. difference between Paul and Paige, Paul's injury is still out there. You know, he still yeah. has it. He's still He's still nursing it. Whether whether he feels it or not, I don't know. But we're, we're, obviously, that's only something Paul can answer. Paige is, in theory, recovered. She's just tentative yet. You know, yeah. you, you have a severe injury, ankle injury, like she had. I, I know because I've had one. You for the next, you're very cautious for a while. 
that's to be certain. But I don't know I've got a lot of I got a lot of faith in that. But ultimately, let's talk a little bit about Evelina. Now, Evelina, as we said, her circle one putting looked really good. I, yeah. she didn't have any of those absolutely jaw dropping misses that we've seen in the past. Everyone's going to miss a circle two putt. That's fine. You know, but she just looked so good and I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what a, uh, a dialed in Evelina looks like with this field, because I think she's going to give Tatar a run for her money at some of these events. Yeah, and, that, and I know you just talked about her tee to green, which has obviously always been incredible. I feel like Henna has had very similar stats and also drives the disc as well or better than anyone else out there when it comes just exclusively to the driving. Uh, Evelina has a little bit more of a, a rounded approach in terms of or a rounded game in, in the fact that she, I feel like, is stronger with the forehand mm-hmm. and isn't hesitant to rely on it every time you see her. I, I, it's so rare I can ever even think of a time where she's not thrown, uh, you know, where she shanked or had a really b- big problem with throwing a forehand. I feel like her forehand game is really solid. So for both of them, obviously, it always has come down to the putting. And if if you're putting yourself with birdie opportunities damn near every shot, like and, and you're only making yeah, half or two-thirds of them, you're, you're going to be scoring pretty well. We've seen both of them do that. So... It'll be uh it'll it should be really exciting and I guess to kind of bring it full circle I think about how this weekend's final round wrapped up I don't know if I've been more enthralled and excited and uncertain of an outcome It was it was just wild it was so fun and entertaining to call and to watch if if that is if we're going to see even a glimmer of that for any of the remaining events this year, sign me up. And I know some people will say you know FPO isn't isn't the game that they enjoy watching for whatever given reasons, and that's totally fine. And I can understand some of that. This weekend, however, I I think it had everything. You had mm-hmm. six women in contention, all going into the final round, and then even on top of that were what half or two thirds of the way around, you still have four or five women that could have won it. Really only one or two of them fell off. And and you're talking about some holes where anything could happen when you're looking at holes specifically seventeen and eighteen. I, I don't know. I I was I was all in on it and, <laughs> and not that I'm ever faking excitement or anything silly like that when I'm watching it, because I love the golf and I'm enthusiastic about it. But this one really you know, as I reflect back, this one really stands out as just so much fun to watch and having that uncertainty. And then this story of could or might Evelina crack and, and Missy playing so consistently. And then Holland and Ella tied for the lead and, and, and then just falling off. And, mm-hmm. and the other one's right there to take, take advantage of that. It was, I don't know, it was really exciting. I, I, I'd be interested to hear how the uh, two hot geese, uh, what kind of weekend they had with it. I'm sure they did a great job, but I, I hope people enjoyed the overall show that was the FPO action this weekend because I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It felt it, really odd. As a quick side note, it felt it did feel odd that I did FPO but not MPO in the afternoon just because rarely do I ever have a split day like that. And to give a little more backstory – Knowing they were going to be on site, I believe the intent was to have like a Juliana or maybe a Zoe be in the booth on site 
and both of them have been traveling extensively and or simply weren't available to be in the country, uh, even though they're here now, or at least one of them's back. They weren't available. And then the conversation kind of then started up of, hey, would Val want to do it or would I want to do it, so to speak, and go out to Bend? But just just to put it out there, that's kind of a very different feeling for me is not only having the early earlier of the uh, of the rounds, but just like knowing I'm only calling half the day uh, was just odd. Um, it's fine, but it was odd. Yeah, I, I look at up. the parallels on hole 18 between Evelina and uh, AB. Both of them took layup fours on that final round on the final hole. Evelina could have gone perfect in the circle that round with the exception of what looked to be about a 15-foot layup. Maybe it was 20. It was hard mm-hmm. uh, hard to say for sure. But, you know, Evelina had it locked up with like two holes to go after Missy went double single. You know, after after basically after Missy took that double on 17, she kind of she was definitely out of it. Going into hole 18, yeah. there wasn't there wasn't a lot of drama on the FPO side like there was on the MPO side because Anthony Barella had to throw two perfect shots on 18. He threw a a frozen rope down to the landing area and then mm-hmm. threw a, a phenomenal shot up to the top and gave himself the opportunity to be able to lay it up. But just the way Evelina on her second shot was so confident with that turnover up the hill where she put it so close. I, I mean, I truly believe if, if she would have run at it, she probably would have hit it the way she was playing. And it's, it's exciting to see the level of, quality in the game that we have right now in general on the MPO and the FPO side. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ella Hansen. Was, uh, oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I, I did feel it. it was very exciting. I don't know if I like or dislike that essentially the worst scorer someone should realistically take on a hole is a double bogey is the double bogey six. I mean, uh, for the MPO and the double bogey seven for the FPO. I'm, 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 yep. I haven't put too much thought in it. I know people will be shocked by that. You know, you're not thinking. I've heard actually other people know if I like that or not. Because some people were saying, well, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're ahead or behind or whatever it is, you could literally just throw it into the drop, throw it into the OB. I thought walk, that. Walk up, throw it into the drop zone, get to the top, put it, and drop it in. For a six. Uh, and, and and now keep in mind, keep in mind, if if the teeing orders were reversed in any capacity, which well, maybe they weren't. I don't know. All I know is I thought the exact same thing. Mm. I'm, I'm thinking like, well, who's teeing? Who's going first? And then I thought to like kind of in, a, in some light way, flashback to Simon going out of bounds on that whole Adiglo of just like, well, who cares? Throw it. Yeah. And if you go out of bounds, you, you know what the fate is and you know what's worst case scenario. So by no means is the tournament over by 17, but no. No, if not there's at all. a certain lead, it is. Of course. Right? If, if there's, if there's a certain, a certain lead, of, it doesn't matter what your whole 18 looks like. I mean, well, no, unless, no, no, no. But like, I, I, if you have a three-stroke lead going into 17, you, you can't lose that. Correct. Right? If, yeah, like, 17, is the, 17 is the one where... I'm sorry, on 18. On 18, though. Correct, yeah. But how many, how many courses do you look at the whole 18 where you go, eh, they can make up three strokes? Not many. Like, you could no, play... And I get that. And, and, and I get it, because I... There's I, a guarantee, but there's a, there's a guarantee 
of a certain and, score, essentially, right? Ag- throw agreed. it out of bounds yep. or throw it five feet yep. if you want. Don't even want to throw it down the mountain. Literally throw it five feet or just pick up and go right to the drop zone. Pick up, go right to the drop zone, and then you're standing at the drop zone uh, lying mm-hmm. lying four if- and throwing <laughs> five. Right, like in my opinion, if you make it to hole eighteen with a three-stroke lead, you deserve the win. <laughs> that, that that's I a mean, valid argument as well. I mean, to me, if if that hole didn't have eagle opportunity, or or not eagle opportunity, I'll say, but it's eagle for the FPO, birdie for the MPO, the way it does, because there's such a danger in that that I think I would maybe think a little bit differently if if the hole was maybe designed a little differently. But I think because of the potential that you have to make up three strokes, like you could literally make up three strokes. It's yeah, just there that, is a three. Yeah, I mean there there is a three stroke. You have to be within three strokes there, or or you can probably walk it in. And but I, like I'm, you I said, guess I'm there's okay not with a lot that. of other 18s where that mm-hmm. that isn't the case anyway. Is yeah, you I mean, if you have three strokes, you should be able to limp it in. It's just maybe weird that you're guaranteed correct. to limp in mm-hmm. by being able to go to these two different drop zones. Maybe that's yeah. my, where my issue is. Because you're right, Ella, Ella Eagles, and and worst case scenario for Evelina, she she sixes. Uh, that is the three strokes that that could be made up, and that mm-hmm. is absolutely possible there. So, yeah, it's just maybe it's just weird that it's guaranteed. Yeah, uh, I can I can understand I mean, that. And, I'm, yeah. Well, I'm I'm just trying to think of like a, a Waco where. I mean, ultimately, you, you you could every time you can pitch up the hyzer, every time you can just bomb it over the basket and then lay it up. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're probably not taking worse than a six at Waco, no matter what. Sure. Now ah. we have we have seen some crazy things, but in general, mm-hmm. I, I I just think that you know I get it because walking into you want there to be some sort of possibility of a big score swing almost just as a commentator and maybe even as a viewer just the realism of it on any course making up three strokes on one hole is difficult um but you're right in this time in this particular hole it's guaranteed you cannot make up more than three strokes you know that's yeah it's i i get it she's wrong for the albatross (laughs) (laughs) that's true yeah Uh, i mean that's possible we've seen it yeah sure i mean anyway um, Literally, so, Evelina almost did on that final throw. She, I know. She put a, like that, we that, saw. That, oh, oh my god! Like I would have. What I wouldn't give for that yeah. to have gone in. Mm-hmm. Like what a way to, to end. go in <laughs> the walk off albatross. Uh, like no putting required of, from any distance. No layups. That, just I don't kind know. Of, that would have been. It's cool and exciting. Does that kind of kill like the momentum of the like the broadcast? You're like, oh. And she wins, no, no, and she's way down no. at the bottom of the hill. No, it's the eighteenth. So. <laughs> it's the eighteenth hole. She secures uh, it because there's yeah. no putting with this insane two on that hole. Mm-hmm. You know, albatross or otherwise. Yeah, albatross no, I get or it. Eagle, whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah, I, I would have the thought like as it flashed not far from the basket. I did think like, what if she just ended it here? Mm-hmm. Like, it would have been insane. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, overall, awesome. Obviously, uh, real quick, I want to touch on. Uh, there's a resounding, resounding love and appreciation for the design, the course. Right? They're like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like very few. At least I didn't read of. Maybe they kept them hidden pretty well. I saw one Lots or two of love pros for the course that hated the course. 
that hated the course design. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Ch- uh, Chandler Kramer absolutely did not like it. He says he did not have fun. He does not like the course. Okay. And that's fine. Uh, what, I mean, what, you, you don't have to. He just sure, said it, he, he just said it wasn't a fun course. I don't know if he hated the course, but he said this is not a fun course. I did not have fun at this course. <laughs> and, okay. Which leads uh, me to believe he like. tied Macbeth yeah. for 52nd and two strokes out of the cash. Uh, you know who always has fun, and you and I have joked about this. The winner every tournament. Oh, I had such a good time here. I love <laughs> it. I'm coming back. Like, I will say every winner but, always says, "Oh, I had the greatest time here." Barella told Barella, Barella said earlier in the weekend that he liked the course. No, so I don't of think course. it mattered. But again, no, I know. And and, 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 and again, almost yeah. everyone. It, it is does such a great love the course. Lot of land. Now, now to to and I, and I was explicit in saying loves the course design. Couple things on that one. I don't think it was a secret or or became more well-known, and has, I've seen chatter since. Some, a number of players, frustrated with those specific tee pads. Sure. I, we, did, we did hear of some slipping, and, when I, and I don't know if these are the permanent, permanent tee pads, if these are temporary for this event. And they're they're going to get concrete. I don't know if they can put concrete in some spots. I, I did see a fair amount of loose footing. We'll say, uh, yeah, and and I will say, like there there were, we we saw plenty plenty on live. We saw plenty of people slip in some capacity. I saw you know I think of Waisaki, uh, a number of players, tons of players, Evelina, and and <laughs> I saw Evelina obviously, um, MPO and FPO. Some may or may not be attributed to mud and some uh, just to the overall mm-hmm. wetness. Now, granted, uh, this course was wet. Now, one thing that I thought was really interesting is somebody, uh, well, let me back up. Just today, Paige Shu was answering some Q&A while driving somewhere. Uh, well, Grady was driving. She's, you know, doing a ask me anything on, on Instagram. And I think the, the question was something, you know, what do you think of the course? Love the course. Uh, hated the tee pads or disliked the tee pads. Uh, she said she slipped. Again, just a who, few people had said who that. Who was that? Paige Shu had said she slipped. Oh. And she's um, not, I'll say she's not overly forceful with her drives. Like, like she, she, you don't think of her as, like, I think of an Evelina um, as, as a very, and Paige Pierce as very powerful throwers and hard plant. Sure. Uh, Paige Shu, probably right in the middle. Not so, not a ton of, I think what I don't know what the kids call it is bracing power or something. I don't know. Power pocket nose down angle spin. I don't know. But yeah, page, I don't see, I don't envision page shoe is that forceful. So to to hear her say she was slipping. So the course needs a little work. Everyone has different shoes. And, uh, but here's my follow up to all of that is at one point and it's going to, and I know I screenshot it and I'm really fortunate. I'm really frustrated that I can't find where I screenshot it from. But at one point, somebody was talking about the tees, and and this was online on Facebook. Somebody was talking about the tees, and... Ah, here we go. Here we go. Uh, Johnny McRae had said he slipped, and he was a little bit frustrated with that. Or uh, I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but that was pretty much it. He had slipped a few times um, and, and wasn't a fan of the tee, the, those specific tees. And uh, Jeff Spring chimed into this Facebook thread and said, the DGPT did not request that turf to be used. 
we have official DGPT turf, and uh, that was that has great player reviews, and that's what we would like to see used when any DGPT course installs turf. The turf used there is not recommended by the DGPT, to which Johnny McRae said, thank you, Jeff, for chiming in. That's what was being said over and over this weekend, so I'm happy it's cleared up. Um, yeah, that's kind of interesting that, that the property, knowing that they're prepping and had a ton of work to do and only had a few months to do it, I'm, I, I understand that, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, use that specific turf. Now, you and I, Johnny, I'm not going to say we're both idiots, but you and I could go out on 10 different sets of turf and be like, well, this seems fine. Like, wouldn't probably think too much of it, but then I guess when you look back and you think, well, okay, who's using it? What are the conditions? Mm-hmm. How often has this been used? Has this been used at this place? We saw a turf installed in Portland a couple of years ago, and the complaint was that it was too long. It was the, the actual, oh, yeah. you know, whatever was too long, but then they had some different turf, I think, just this last year, and seemingly everyone loved it, or most loved it. You're never going to find any surface that everyone loves. Let's Let's just start right there. So I thought that was really interesting that, you know, McRae was one of those other people that was frustrated with some of the turf and that, uh, you know, Jeff had kind of cleared the air or at least stated his case that they used turf that wasn't necessarily kind of maybe the official turf. Now, is that a little bit of sponsorship conversation? Is that is there an allegiance or an alliance to that? Uh, Who knows? But it's not. It wasn't the official turf of the DGPT. Uh, does does like you were just saying? Does it get swapped out? Does it, do we eventually see some other concrete tees out there, or do we see different turf? Who knows? I, I will stress so much that I understand that this course, in getting prepped and being selected to open the tour to open the tour this year, was on a very short time frame. Mm-hmm. Macbeth himself told us that. Yep. And I think I think with maybe the feedback that they've gotten they will I bet you that I I I know Paul well enough to say there will be adjustments made whether that is you know r- swapping out the the turf tees for some other turf whether that's some sort of adjustment with the turf um I I I would put money on the fact that by next year assuming this is going to be the opener again I don't see why it wouldn't be with the way it went over this year. Because well, it rained in Florida. Oh, uh, gosh, that's go right. It, it rain. didn't rain in Tucson. Um, oh, true. That, see? Don't get me started. Well, <laughs> I went back and forth with someone on Twitter this weekend. Um, and I I see the McBaths and Dylan Cease doing what they need to do to make this a, again, the top quality course that the land gives them. So yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm not concerned about it. It's, it's a, I think it's a, a first year live and learn um, scenario that, uh, at, that if, if we see it in the, on the tour next year, I, I bet you it's updated. So. All right. Well, so that was the conversation that did unfold uh, again. I'm, I'm not picking on anyone that made comments because there was a number of players was it the worst team conditions ever? No. Was it the best ever? No, maybe not. Um, but like you said, hopefully some adjustments get made. We saw a number of players slip, so I think it's fair to say that they're uh, – but we don't know that considering what's out on the ground 
well, had been on the ground. And if another company's T's, anyone's, would have been significantly better or not. I don't think we know that for sure. Some may state that, but I don't know if we know that for sure. For yeah, sure. with the mud anyway, and I, the rain and everything, it, it's, it's exactly. hard to say. Um, I, I uh, what I can say yeah, to all of that, ahead. real quick, yeah. I echoed it on the show. I'll say it for the hundredth time. Okay, maybe the fifth. Uh, shout out to Nick Carl. Shout out, shout out to Jeff Corns and the entire on-site crew who did an insane amount of work. And then in addition to that, we had the Disc Golf Pro Tour operations crew also. And and I don't know mm-hmm. if it was a 60-40 split or a 50-50 or a 90-10 split. Doesn't matter. Uh, kudos to everyone. Yeah, kudos to everyone that was involved to get it as good as they possibly could so that the players, the spectators, the staff, the camera crew, and everybody else. I didn't see anybody wipe out. And just to go through that whole weekend, and not to say it didn't happen, but to go through that weekend and, <laughs> and no cameraman you know, fell on his face, his or her face, and no, no player maybe fell on his or her face uh, that we uh, saw or heard I mean, about, we, Th- that's a good weekend out on that property. Cause we it's did hear, to do, let me tell that, you, that Haley King took a spill and okay. possibly one of the reasons why she decided to withdraw from the event, I think were partially because of the slick tease, as she said. Um, mm. And she had fallen and was worried about tweaking whatever injury she's been recovering from for the last couple months. And she didn't want to risk re-injuring herself. And and Haley is one of those people that throws with a ton of force. She has that yeah. that that full power. So I I don't really blame her here. If she didn't feel comfortable, if she didn't feel like the, the it was set up for her particularly, by all means make that decision. You know, don't risk your health if if you feel because I'll tell you what the minute you start thinking about that every time is the minute your game goes to crap. Like if you're constantly thinking about your footing and w- the slipping and this and that, you're not thinking about your shot nearly as much as you probably could be. And you're probably not playing to the best of your ability. So by all means, adios. Um, see you at Waco. Like that's, that's kind of just how it's been and g- good for her. Yeah. Uh, I, I think she received maybe a little bit of challenge or scrutiny because, uh, from the fact that some people uh, are thinking that her play nah. was more indicative of her withdrawing as opposed to a physical component, some other physical component to it, or another physical uh, uh, precaution. Clearly, none of us are in her head. None of us know how her body feels. If if she, I, I feel like she's a fierce competitor, so I don't feel like she's the type that would say, hey, I'm not playing well, I'm just going to skip out of here. She knows how that would look to a sponsor and all her supporters and fans if that was really the case. I don't see that being the case, but as we all know, everyone has their own opinions as to uh, you know what may or may not have been the situation. If she says she's injured and or doesn't want to risk further injury or possibility, it's hard for me to argue against that. I think one of the reasons why she gets challenged on it, uh, maybe more so than the next person, is because we've seen her have that philosophy a couple of events right and and obviously she's been injured too so that's why it's so hard to second guess her it's like Mm -hmm. i can't say no and she's injured or not but the fact that we've seen her withdraw from a few of uh events i think is why maybe she it raises more eyebrows than if certainly somebody else would have just you know withdrew withdrawn she has it she she has a history of that 
and and that's Correct. and that will immediately cast a shadow or a doubt over every decision that she makes because of that. Um, I hate that we even have to talk about it, but I'll, I'll bring up real quickly the the chessboard trophy. Some people were unhappy with the fact that it was a blank chessboard. Um, I know it was a okay. a, a custom handmade chessboard worth okay. a couple hundred bucks. Um, I know that they're going to be doing some sort of, I don't know if they're engraving on the actual board or there's an additional piece to that that's being engraved for the trophy. I do know that Nick Carl had made that a point to say that, you know, they didn't want to do any engraving because clearly, you know, you don't know who wins. Know who, the PDGA you know. doesn't release the script until, you know, until after. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, well uh, first Travis and Taylor have to approve it. Exactly. Yeah. So, so ultimately I understand, and I'm not going to take this as my own credit because I did hear this on another podcast, but, and, and I like the chessboard. And as someone else said, it's kind of a cool piece of art. That's one of those things you could hang up in your house and, and it would be a and it would be a, a piece of art as opposed to what a lot of people said were, which were, you know, the king and queen trophies having some sort of sure. king and queen piece, which I'm sure it could be done artfully. But I also think, like, walking into someone's house and seeing, like, a, a big king or queen, it seems like something you get at, like, a, a pottery barn. Like, oh, this is my chess yeah. piece. Like, And yeah. I'm sure you could integrate it very well. Someone could do a very good job of integrating that into a trophy of some sort. Or I, I was even thinking, you know, of ways to do it myself. But I don't know. I have no issue with the, with the, with the chess board, personally. It did look a little weird that it wasn't that there was nothing on it when it was handed to them, but it's it was kind of treated like a placeholder in that in that it was blank and it will be customized or will have some sort of customization on it. And I guess that's I, I'm I, I hate that we even have to talk about it, but it's become such a an issue with trophies over the last year that people have been just been trying to dunk on them and and whatnot. And I get it if it's if you don't if you as a person didn't like it. That's totally subjective, and it's totally up to you. I didn't have an issue with it, so just me. Yeah. Uh, well, here's what I would quickly say to that, um, because I don't need to feed into all of that. It, it feels, it just doesn't feel worth it. The only thing I'd quickly say to that is, you know, who's not complaining about that chessboard trophy? Uh, Anthony Barella or Evelina Solonen? <laughs> Bingo. I don't want to say shut the f up, but yeah. they're not complaining about it. And I, I just, I bet you they're not. There's, there's so much more. And I'm not saying that trophies should be disregarded. I'm not claiming that at all. As a guy who runs tournaments and then it has to struggle with to what expense yeah. and degree I put out a trophy, I, I get all of that. I really do. However, these wins and the satisfaction and the, the non-physical components of these wins and what it means to them in their careers mean so much more than whatever the trophy is grand or otherwise it just means so much more to them yeah and as we always as we've experienced on the internet everybody has a different opinion as to what it should or shouldn't have been yeah no and that's just i've, I've what the I f know. are you going to please everybody oh wait never never <laughs> going to please everybody i don't know uh, th- that that's my take on it. Um, I'll tell you what: j- driving with a chessboard is probably way better than driving with like a giant <laughs> pawn, a pawn or a knight or a queen in your car. <laughs> um, so yeah. so so there's uh, that. 
But anyway, I just it was a comment. It was talked about. A couple other things that were talked about this weekend. Um, if we want to go into, we'll, we'll, we'll congratulate everyone for the chess.com and everybody that did well and everyone that participated, everyone that helped make the event great. Let's quickly talk about our kind of almost our really first introduction into PDGA Live for an, for a full okay. event. This new PDGA Live. There was feedback, as as we'll call it, from some people that are missing some of the features. We knew, we obviously from the All Star, we already know about some of the uh, the platforms that it's missing. The Xbox, which I know they're working on. Um, Apple TV was having some issues for a while. Uh, well, once again, scoring, or are you talking? Are you talking DGN? You're I'm talking, talking over. I'm sorry. I'm talking your... overall platform and thing. Okay. Just the experience, we'll say. So sure. I'll, I guess I'll start with my focus on PDGA. The PDGA experience, from my perspective, pretty good. There are a few things I want to see done yet on the PDGA Live that I, I truly think they will. Um, I want to see right now they've got stats for rounds one, two, three. I want to see an overall stat. I think we need to have a general season stats, which I, I'm sure they're building. You know, we're one event in, so this one event is the season stat it's right now. So not a big priority. I'd love to see whole maps on there. I'm sure those will come. Um, and favorites. Yep. Like those are kind of the, yeah. if you if you can nail down those few little, I, I say little in quotes because I'm not doing the work. And I know that every feature, trust me, I found out today from Skip Ace, every little feature has a chance to break something else. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, but yes, if they could nail down those things with the PDGA app, I think that that will round out the experience for most people. Uh, the the I mean, I think a lot of people really liked the favorites, and yes, and that that's clearly something that the PDGA can hopefully work on. I don't know how. I don't remember for UDisk if that was a browser-based thing or a user-based issue. Like if I went to one account on one system versus another account, because with the PDGA, you might have to, I would assume maybe you'd have to log into your PDGA account then in order to store those favorites, or you'd lose them if you went to a different computer. I I, I don't exactly know. I, I truly, truly, and I didn't get a chance today, wanted to reach out to, um, the PDGA to 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 Pete and maybe even Steve Gans and just kind of get a general idea of uh, what they thought about the features as well as the the one issue that we had on Saturday, which was about an hour long outage. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't just DGPT. We're talking about an hour long outage, maybe even a little more, for the entire PDGA Live system. Every event that was running was down. Yeah, C tiers in yeah, South Carolina to you know to B B tiers and and everything in between. Yeah, unfortunately, and, it sounded as if all of it was impacted. And I I don't know. There's a there, there's a possibility it had nothing to do with the DGPT. It, there's a possibility that that would have happened no matter what. The PDGA reached out, not reached out, put out a statement and said, "Hey, we apologize for the outage." But they didn't go into any clarity as far as what caused it. Was it the extra traffic? Was it a, a a random issue with whatever whoever their host provider is? I don't I don't know if it's ever been made public who their cloud provider is. I know DGN uses AWS, but I don't know if it's ever been 
discussed who the PDGA uses. I, I'm, I don't know if it's in Azure. I don't know if Geo it's in the US. Could be GeoCities. Geo uh, Alta Vista, maybe? Uh, I would think Geo They might still be on Blogger.com. Angel Fire? <laughs> Angel Fire? Fire? Yes. <laughs> yes, I think it's Angel Fire. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good uh, pull right there terry um thank you <laughs> well done i mean i've got an it degree you, you <laughs> in do. case anyone forgets you do terry uh, that's a true story um so anyway pdg had an uh, about an hour-long outage it caused an issue i don't know what clearly we don't know what caused it we don't know what it was but they were able to fix it and then they did not have the issue on sunday because i thought hey if if it was a capacity issue like the, the you sure. know then we should probably see the same thing on Sunday and we didn't. So they either were able to scale up their system pretty quickly or it was something not related to scale and it was something else, either back end, front end, could could have been anything. But uh but right rightfully so, people were a little upset about the uh, the outage as they as yeah, they I think- should be. Uh, he, here's what I'll say to to that specifically is I feel as if the uh, not having the scoring at the event obviously frustrating and and impacts the broadcast at the end of the day and impacts the players and everything else at that event. What to me is a far more uh, you know significant impact was the fact that all of the other events were impacted. When mm-hmm. you're running in a C tier, playing or running a C tier on the other side of the country and you you don't even know what the pro tour is or do you care about it because you're playing in your first C tier as a as an FA4 you know competitor or or maybe an MPO competitor whatever doesn't matter point is uh, that's where i could see it being so much more impactful one as we all know one event that happens to be broadcast yeah that's probably you know that's obviously detrimental and frustrating but to have it take down and irritate so many others and and displace so many others, yeah, it's it's a valid frustration. I, mm-hmm. I I don't think anyone would say otherwise. Now, do you have to lose your shit? Is it the end of the world? Are are we you know? Is there no chance of recovery? No, I think that's all a little hyperbolic. But um, yeah, I a hundred percent frustrating. And and as a TD myself, again, even though I only run a couple events a year, it fully shines a light on the idea that you should be offering that one paper scorecard per group and somebody should always be doing it because if it wasn't that on on saturday that made that perfectly clear rewind 48 hours to thursday's what national or international i don't know national at uh, outage cellular outing mm-hmm. yeah like so clearly as much as some may may love or hate technology to to not have any kind of redundancy or backup or plan B or plan C, I think it I think it more so sheds light on those things. So even as a tournament director myself, it made me think, man, even if you got one person doing, you know, U disc, one person scoring on their own, and two people using PDGA at a given event because everyone's doing their own scoring, if all four of those are somewhat dependent on some kind of cellular service. You, you, you just never know, as bizarre as that is, you, obviously it could have been a problem. So paper. I believe PDGA and UDIS can both work offline. They don't need To some cell- degree, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I they think they can. They don't need cellular data, so that's nice. But I, I'm with you, and I think that having at least one paper scorecard for each card 
is is a solid move for a tournament director. But yeah, but anyway, um, I mean, I've been we've been around long enough, and I know this. It's not apples to apples. It's it's apples to tires. Um, PDGA and UDISC. UDISC the first year had a lot of issues as well, but we are years and years from that. So I'm not making the comparison, um, but I've been around long enough to know that even over the last year or so using UDISC, there there would be issues from the control room side, things that would block up. Sure. I think there would be some, there would be the a, a very rare and I'm saying very rare. Cause those UDISC guys are so good. Like they're just so good. And, um, but it's not like UDISC was perfect. And so no, I and they they would yeah and they, they wouldn't admit, they wouldn't admit, admit they wouldn't much. they wouldn't say as much either but so it was definitely it's something that hopefully we don't see in the future and I I'll say this knowing who's running PDGA.com I mean I know the stat Mando guys just got there so I wouldn't and I don't know how much experience they have in infrastructure if any the guys that do Pete Christ and Steve Gans, Steve Gans, who was an early worker uh, at PayPal and has helped the PDGA go from what I feel is like the stone age when it comes to their website up to modern day. I have so much faith in those guys. They know what they're doing. So that's why I have a hard time believing personally that this outage was related to a capacity issue. I truly think that they know that that there was something else that probably caused it. But who knows? I mean, it's it's obviously very, very difficult to say from our side. And until we hear otherwise, which we probably never will, I, I'm I'm, I'm going to give the PDGA, as I usually do, the benefit of the doubt. So space lasers. I think it was space lasers. I, I think it, I think it was definitely space lasers. Um, the only the other thing that people talked about, obviously, was DGN, and we as we said, X, Xbox app coming soon, Apple TV app having some issues still. I know they're working on it. There's something about a Kodak and some of the obviously older Fire TVs having an issue. I'll reiterate, I use the iPhone, Roku, and and laptop, which is the web. Never had an issue. All weekend was perfect. So uh, your experience may vary. What I do want Yeah, and it certainly does. Yeah. And what I'll say to that is even at Nate and Val's house, there was one point they went to log in. I, I think they use a Roku maybe. But they went to log in, and the app says something goofy like do you like they wanted to watch and it said do you want to uh log in and and i I don't know there's it's like a yes and no question and you have to hit the exact opposite of what you would think and sometimes that pops up for them or had popped up for them so i will reiterate what i've said in the past is i i am empathetic of anyone that is having some issues obviously some stuff works a little better than others and similarly as you just said about the pdga Obviously, the DGN uh, and DGPT are doing everything they can to get things up to snuff and, and it, up to speed and to get it addressed. It it, it is look some at very the updates. frustrating, legitimate pains, but they they are working on them diligently. Yeah. Look at the updates just from last week to this week. They already they they were able to put in the picture in picture mm. for the iPhone, so you can do background playing. Oh, like that was okay. that was already out there. Like that was a, a an update they made. There was. There was one other thing that they did as well that was a pretty it was pretty nice. Anyway, um, they're trying, they're doing their best, they're working hard at it. Yeah, and, um, I, and, I, I, and no just issue. like you, disc, I think there's some frustration, understandably, because people said we had this functionality and this stuff worked. You've told us you're changing and or upgrading, and as of right now, it's actually 
not quite there. It's not You've what given we had and taken. And I understand. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand that frustration yeah. when you had something, and then later you don't have that. But it's it's all under a you know, and ultimately an improvement, but it's not there yet. I can certainly understand that frustration. So I, I don't want to be dismissive of anyone that has some of that frustration. All we can, I think, all we could say is, although you and I mm-hmm. uh, don't know, all we could say is it just a little bit more patience and it's going to get there. It is. That, and that's I'll, I'll say, say over the last two years, so going back not just last year, but the year before, the year before last, the DGN had the DVR feature on Vimeo. Mm, yeah. Then last year, Vimeo kind of pushed the DGN to a different platform of theirs because they had two basically side-by-side platforms. One was meant more for live which is what the DGN was focusing on. And so they had said, hey, you'll get a better experience if you go to this one, which gave us very fast transcoding so that people could watch it right after practically it was done, but it took away the DVR. And so that was a big issue. Like, hey, you took away the DVR. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Now this year we get the DVR and we get the fast transcoding, but we're losing some platforms, which will hopefully, like you said, come back for the most part. In the next couple months. So it has been a slight roller coaster with DGN over the last few years that I think we're, I think now, and I understand everyone's case may vary. We are in a better place as DGN than we were a year or two ago. um, And that we can build now from a very solid base that they have much more control over than previously at Vimeo where Vimeo you, we yeah. were completely relied on them for the product, for the updates, for anything that, that, that the DGN wanted. They had to go through Vimeo, not always to the best results. Now, well, we, like I said, maybe you've stepped back in some spots. We can move forward at our, at our own pace from the DGN. And when I say our, I mean as a sport, DGN in general can be moved forward. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I know it's going to be frustrating for some. I'm sure we'll hear about it for the next month or two because it's going to be that way. I guarantee it. It's, you know, they're not probably not rolling out an Xbox app in the next week. They're probably not rolling out, you know, a, an LG app or a, a Nintendo mm. Switch app or a Samsung app or anything like that. In the Because here's the funny part. Can I watch it on my Pixel phone. Uh, uh, I only have a Pixel 1. Or not ooh. a Pixel. Yeah, Google Google One phone. Uh, mm. Watch. Sorry, not phone. Can I watch it on my watch? Well, the... The fact that you don't know what's on your wrist, I'm not sure will help anybody, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long weekend. <laughs> it has been a long weekend. All right. Well, hopefully, yeah. yes. We'll, we'll continue to see those uh, improve, um, understandably, some some frustration that's out there. And uh, it, I would say keep logging it. Uh, keep logging it uh, and or contacting service and hopefully customer service is addressing. I know a lot of times when I see people post frustration, at least on Facebook, there's usually someone from DGN that's posting and saying, "Hey, look at this. Click on that, or you know, reach out if you still need help." So uh, hopefully they'll continue to do uh, stuff of that nature and get everyone up to speed um, overall. So, uh, all right, real quick, I want to so I want to backtrack a little, and there's there's just a handful of notes I have, and I want to keep it short. Yeah, tonight. go for it. But what, one of the notes that I have, and and I'm even going to try and be delicate about this. I love that so many people love this course and for the most part have loved the course. (laughs) 
except for Sands, uh, Chandler Kramer. Uh, love the course. <laughs> I understand the whole T-pad thing. We already talked about that. Uh, I think a lot of people loved the FPO and MPO uh, differences when it came to baskets. Uh, obviously, a lot of thought put, put into those. We saw some incredible scoring, I think, on both sides, which was really cool. The fact that, you know, six, seven, eight under, Kenny called it in our production meeting on Thursday night, and he said, I, you know, I don't think we're going to see, you know, a couple of 10s or anything like that, you know, back-to-back or any, you know, 10, 12s under out there. Uh, he, he thought five, four, five, six under, you know, maybe some of the hotter scores, eight ended up being the hottest. So I love that. I, I just want to quickly remind, and, and because he doesn't, he wouldn't go out and do this. I just want to quickly remind the world that as much as Dylan and Paul saved and preserved the property and are going to continue to develop it into this world-class facility and that the likes of Climo and Greg Hosfeld were the, you know, some of the Hosfeld specifically and a few other guys whose names escape me at the moment were some of the, were, were the original people, kind of the founders and the finders of said property. I just I, I want the world to also remember that Mike Barnett helped keep this property and the relationship relevant and significant for the last decade. And, and again, Mike Barnett's not posting this anywhere and, and has any manifesto or anything silly. I'm going to say it on his behalf because I've been there watching him and hundreds of volunteers Put throw down the mountain on the map and make that property to many to to make it relevant, significant, to make it their favorite. Yes, Dylan and Paul have come in and and continued to make course adjustments and then most maybe most notably put in those tee pads and multiple baskets and have them mounted in the ground as opposed to a, a temporary layout. I'm not discrediting anything that has been done in the last six months or the last year. What I'm trying to shine light on is. Mike Barnett was so crucial in that piece of property remaining relevant and and being a contact so that when when the woman that was being approached to to sell it after her husband had died and then she you know said hey I've got somebody like Mike had the wherewithal to reach out to the right people i.e. Paul and others to make it an opportunity or to, for it to be an opportunity to even then snatch it up so I just want to say that I, I not not that we needed to open every day either, and with a with a, with a Mike Barnett um, tribute or anything silly like that. I just know that he, you know, we saw Jeff Corns running the event, which was great. Thrown on the mountain is still happening uh, over the next month, and it's going to have a obviously a little bit different spin and take to it. And I posted it on Twitter and said, maybe throw it on the mountain. We'll have more or less eyeballs because now pe- more people are familiar with it. It's just funny to me when so many people have said, hey, I, I, you know, Paul, I love, I, I love your property. I love your course or I love what you've done with it or, or just as if he, Paul went out and, and he tweaked uh, it, plucked the, this place. Yeah. Of course he tweaked it. Yeah, and, and I love that. But it's not like, it's not like Paul or Dylan waved a wand, and then all of a sudden this property just, you know, appeared out of thin air yesterday or, or six months ago. And and that's not to take anything away from them, because they're obviously putting a ton of money and effort into it and the vision. I, I just, for a sake of a guy who's been there, I think for like eight out of the 10 throw down the mountains and seen the work that's continued to be put in by all of these people, including Mike's employees, 
tons of volunteers. Dwayne Reeder is a guy that comes to mind who I stayed with, along with literally hundreds of other people. And Dana Smith, who was calling the, the, the players off this weekend, that's Dana Smith. He's done that. He'll do that for four straight weekends for Throw It on the Mountain and spend 12 or 14 or 16 hours a day at the property. I just wanted to say all of that because uh, I don't want it to be forgotten or overlooked that I think him helping keep it relevant is also what then made it that much more special and the opportunity when it it did go for sale uh, that we could be there. Because just think, if he wasn't running that tournament, that would have been largely a forgotten piece of property for many years. And maybe disc golf wouldn't have been on the tip of somebody's tongue when the sale of it became available. So I wanted to say that. Uh, Mike didn't pay me to say that. Mike has no idea I'm saying any of this, uh, Mike Barnett. But I, I wanted to say that as a guy who's been on that property. And it has, and, it, and even for me, it's a little funny when people are like, man, this is so great. And, and they're talking about it because they've never seen Throw Down the Mountain coverage where 60 to 70% of the course is similar. And they're seeing it all for the first time, which is awesome. There's so many more people, people like Kale and uh, who's never been on the property or uh, uh, an AB or any of these people who have never been on the property before for a throw down the mountain are now seeing what we've been seeing for the last decade. Uh, So it's awesome to see, but I I wanted to make sure I got that out there. I wanted to say that much. Okay. Um, And yes, throw down the mountain, I think is still four weekends. Like (laughs) what went from one weekend? obviously to two, to then three. To, he spans four separate weekends because that's how many hundreds of players are going to come compete. It's all broken up, obviously, by divisions and in varying skill levels. And so there's four separate weekends for Throw Down the Mountain to still take place this year, uh, which is uh, happens throughout March. Anyway, right. I wanted to say that. Um, um, I, I want to briefly talk about the fact that we saw... Arguably, not arguably, the, the the best chess player on the planet right now at Throw Down the okay, Mountain yep. and Magnus Carlsen. I mean, what was that, Terry? Yeah, I just laughed because you just called it Throw Down the Mountain, oh, yeah. <laughs> which stop tells saying, you something. Stop, well, stop just saying that stop, tells you something. Stop talking about Throw Down the Mountain at thechess.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, the funny thing is I kind of, and I know it's, I know it's Olympus. But I consider Throw on the Mountain mm-hmm. almost the name of the course, not the event. Like I get that, I, and so uh, that, that's why for me it, it's it's hard it's hard to make that adjustment. I'll, I'll get it eventually. I'm I'm pretty good with uh, the Jeep glass blown and DDO now. It just took me a little bit. We'll get there. We'll get there. I promise. Um, but we saw Magnus Carlson on the course. Uh, he, he obviously has a relationship with Chess.com. I think he's like a sponsored, more or less a sponsored player by them. So I'm willing to mm-hmm. bet that they had some. Um, pull to get him onto the course, but it was really cool seeing uh, someone from an outside sport like that show up on the course and follow players around. I know he followed Simon around for a while in that card. He eventually caught up with uh, the the featured card day one. We saw him, I think, again on day two. I don't remember if we saw him on day three, but uh, I, I definitely saw him day two, and it was it was really fun looking at a lot of these players. Instagrams and Facebook posts of them getting pictures with him because they were yeah. as some of them were as starstruck as, as some of our play are some of our fans would be to see our players, which I, I mm-hmm. thought that was great. And there was apparently a post that Nick Carl and Kenny Climo went out golfing yeah. with him on Saturday mm-hmm. morning, I believe, or maybe it was Sunday morning. 
Yeah. And that Kenny won, yeah. as Kenny does. Okay. I didn't see that part, but I, I guess... <laughs> he he beat I, Nick Carl I, I by a hand. That's where I would have put my money. <laughs> yeah, he, he beat uh, Nick Carl by, I think, just a handful of strokes, maybe two or three. Maybe it was one. I don't know. Sorry, Nick, if I get that wrong. Um, and then I think they beat Magnus by a handful. I, but a very cool situation to uh, to have someone of that magnitude... Uh, it was close. It was close to a pun, Terry. It's not magnitude. It's that magnitude of a celebrity be on the course because he's he's a he's as big as our best player is, and arguably the biggest player in our sport is still Paul Macbeth. Magnus Carlson is ten times bigger. Yeah, or a hundred times or, bigger, or a hundred times bigger. I, I I don't know, but whatever. Still, like as far as fame. So anyway. Very cool. It can do nothing but help our sport. Yeah, I I loved it. I as you and I talked about as we closed up the show last week, just the idea of Magnus, and we had no idea he was going to actually be there. But I, I get it when people say like they don't know or they don't care, and that's totally fine too. But just to put into perspective how big of a deal he is. Uh, and the fact that he was at the tournament, I think, is very cool. And if you like and or appreciate, like, I know I know how to play chess. I don't play it, but I can still appreciate who he is, mm-hmm. and I think it's pretty cool. And it's still, it's, it's uh, again, it's human nature by far too many that just immediately have to, like, poke a hole in it uh, or somehow drag it down or, or somehow, like, look for the negative in that. I don't see it. I mean, I saw someone who posted and said, you know, oh, remember the weekend when when all these disc golfers pretended to care about chess? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't like. Oh, as no, a guy who, yeah. like, I don't know, I it, it's just silly. It was really cool. If you're into that sort of thing, and if you're not, that's fine too. Um, okay, so you're not impressed by him? Like, I don't know anything about anything about chess, but I know Magnus Carlsen. He's literally, I could not in a you could give me a million dollars to name another current chess player. And I couldn't name one. No, I can't but name I another Magnus current Carlson. one. I, exactly. I, I can name. So, um, yes, he's a big bo- deal. Uh, Magnus Carlson, Bobby Fischer. That's it. Okay. Those are the two chess right. players I, I know <laughs> in my entire life. Because, I mean, in general, one of my favorite movies is Searching for Bobby Fischer. I think it's a phenomenal movie. Go watch it. Very, very little to do with chess, but yeah, good, so, good movie. Nonetheless, uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, uh, <laughs> I had made an Instagram joke about, you know, now that, you know, we panned to him three or four times during that first day. Uh, and I said, oh, great. You know, just was ever, I'm done complaining about, you know, uh, seeing Taylor Swift on my screen three and a half out of every four hours of an NFL game. Gary now I got to deal with this guy. So it, it was, uh, yeah, it was really cool. And, and if you don't like chess or you don't care about Magnus, that's fine too. Just move on because it was all of 10 seconds. Uh, that he was, and and huge credit to Kenny, like he had one of the best lines of the weekend. I feel like uh, when they had shook hands, and he said, and they were talking about the goats, and then that's when Kenny says, "Yeah, uh, more like hoof to hoof, hoof to hoof." And I just thought that that was uh, truly, I feel like one of the best lines of the entire weekend that I had heard. I thought that was really, really funny. So um, we we saw Ian and Philo and uh, Kenny in the booth. As always, just any weekend you have me and Val or me, Nate, and Nate in the booth or whomever, anytime you have any of your combos, there's obviously always a little bit of feedback uh, to that. I, th- I think the overall, and this has not, 
we can say them specifically, but I think this is anytime. Anytime you have three, including me, Nate, and Nate, for instance, uh, the few times that happens, it's always an extra few steps of dancing to not talk over each other. And and it's obviously always easier with two, mm. uh, just because there's only you and nonverbals with one other. It can be a little bit tougher with three. And I feel like that was the resounding feedback, if any. Yeah, day Obviously, one. everybody loved Kenny in the booth again. And and exactly that. That's what uh, somebody else had said, is that they felt like that was the feedback for day one. And then a lot of people said there was less of that mm-hmm. uh, in days two and three. This is no that. slight on any of them. I, I'm just saying in the overall structure of having three in any booth, any three people, it's always a little extra dancing that has to take place. And it especially like, when you're not used to uh, it, like Ian, exactly Ian when Kenny's only there are used to having, yeah, are used to having each other. So they know that you get a feeling for your partner. And so to, to throw a third person in there, it can be hard to adjust. And so I thought they, I thought they did much better than they, uh, on days two and three than they did on day one, day one, it was not only was it a little bit more of a cluster as far as like everyone talking, the audio quality was mediocre. Mm. Like we heard a lot of bubbles and cutouts. And I think there was some, there was some issue with their internet connection that seemed to clear mm. up on days two and three. So not that the two are connected in by any means, but it just added to it when, you know, you'd have these strange issues. So anyway. Yeah. That's- and, and that's sometimes frustrating is you can have, you can have strategic issues uh, or philosophical issues, and then you can have hardware issues. Then you know uh, whether it's on the ground or in a control room. Like there's all of those, uh, you know, different things that can come into play. So anyway, I thought it was uh, that was what I saw. And as always, people loving Kenny's insight. I what I hope he continues to do with a few times he's with us. What I hope he continues to do is is to open the eyes to the people who maybe didn't know him or didn't play with him or see him or know just how good he was on the course and, and, and the legend that he is and whatever. I I feel like his commentary kind of, I don't want to say solidifies that. It it reinforces the genius that he was on the course, right? Like the things Kenny thought about that to this day, I can't imagine thinking about when I'm playing a round of mm-hmm. golf and he's, he's looking at the wind on hole seven, uh, you know, while he, you know, uh, while he's playing hole one. Uh, just to recognize how it's going to relate on seven and because there's a pocket of trees here and like just the things the the the, the overall golf IQ that he has clearly he was a a, a physical superstar but then it, so much of it I think was just one uh, due, due to what he could do with his overall golf IQ so I think that's continuing to ring true in some of the broadcast uh, because I feel like it's all too easy in this day and age for people to be like oh it's not a current player that's like in the top 10 or 20. I don't want to hear from them. I feel like that unfortunately is too much of the philosophy within our, because we have so many current players commentating that I feel like a lot of people just assume, well, th- those are the best qualified ones. Yeah. I think Climo proves exactly why he's qualified and then some to be playing, even if he's not, or to be commentating, even if he's not one of our uh, contenders at the moment. So. Wanted to say that as well. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I'm trying to look at anything else. Uh, it's funny. We've touched on almost every topic I had originally written down. And that's about it. The only other thing that I have uh, is a little more on the uh, selfish personal side is that 
this weekend, I'm in Arizona and covering the Memorial Championship, which Gannon Burr had taken down last year. And he's back to defend his title. I referenced that a little bit earlier. I'm going to try to pace things so it's a little more manageable this year. And one thing that we've really taken on in the last couple of years that has burned me in some capacity is just trying to cover too much golf and then trying to get it all out uh, as quickly as possible. Obviously, that's generally the name of the game. But we're going to have somewhere between one and three camera people and somewhere between one and two editors going to work with whomever I can to get the best commentary laid down. And we're going to have some logistical challenges with uh, some people being 20, 30, 40 minutes away uh, to do some of these tasks. And you're talking about two different courses being the, the first two rounds being at Fountain, the last two rounds being at Vista. All of that to say, coverage is going to come out as quickly and as efficiently as I possibly can. Uh, I am working with Jen Allen that what I think we're going to do is right off the bat, intentionally delay FPO by maybe one extra day. And then that's going to give everything just a little bit more breathing room so that stuff's not haphazard and out of whack and crazy and nobody knows what's going on and and I'm working 22-hour days. I'm just trying to project manage this a little bit better than normal with less people than normal. And I wanted to set that expectation and put it out there. And here's a perfect example of what I'm talking about which some of you already saw today. Just tonight, I finally hit release or publish on MP40 footage from last year. Footage that was filmed last year, footage that got edited within a few days of the event happening, and then being either on the back burner or lost in the shuffle or forgotten about, and a combination of all those things, and then some additional challenges recently, running out of time to even put commentary on it. So MP40 footage, all four rounds are getting released in the next day and a half or two days. So that's going to set you up. It's got the dream boat. It's, it's, it's full of dream boats. It's got <laughs> KJ Naibo, this first round, KJ Naibo, Kale LaVisca, Pete Uliberry, and Steve Brinster. Like just legends of MP40 and of our game over the last 30 years. That's the lead. That's the feature card for round number one, and then obviously it'll unfold from there. So, doesn't have commentary. We're gonna we're gonna go old school. I figured it's better to release without commentary than to not release it at all or release it after this year's event. So that's coming to you guys uh, as of right now. I literally just hit uh, publish on round one. So rounds two and three and four will all come out in the next couple of days. That'll get you warmed up for this year's footage. So there's gonna be confusion. People are going to be, what the hell is this? Where is this? Why is there not commentary? Why are we just watching it now? Well, there's the whole story. So my note here was to discuss this year's expectations for the memorial and feel like I've just done that. So you can like it or love it or leave it or not. I That's on you from here. All right. twenty. Yeah, Tim says 2023 Masters Memorial coverage out. Yeah, you're... you're you're welcome. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. It's there. All right. Uh, Johnny, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I don't, other than the million things I still want to do uh, for yeah. to get to prep for this weekend, <laughs> I, I don't think I have a whole lot of other things. No, there. I, I, I want to say this was a quiet week. It wasn't really a quiet week, but it was a pretty um, focused week on 
chess.com. So, uh, maybe, maybe just for the sake of sharing it real quickly, a lot of people, and I know we talked about the, the trophy already, we just talked about Magnus, all that other stuff. Uh, the, the CEO of chess.com plays disc golf and is a big Paul Macbeth fan. And that's part of how this conversation got rolling. And I, I, I understand a lot of people were saying, like, where in the world is this crossover? The sponsorship is kind of weird. Um, uh, why is this happening and why are we doing this? I, I think at face value initially, those are some very fair questions. But when you hear of a CEO that's a big fan and or appreciates you know, Paul McBath or other players and then finds that they want to you know, hitch their wagon, so to speak, or partner and do what they're doing for the event, uh, I, I just don't. I don't know where in the world the downside would be to that. Is it maybe seem a little odd? I guess, but I don't know if you know this. There's a ton of disc golfers who do, in fact, play chess. So, I, and they're trying to, of course, attract a few new chess players. They they received an explosion in players during COVID, kind of like disc golf did. Now, very different things and activities. I get that. But to have them have this explosion and, and for chess to be a, a great game of, you know, millions of people, I don't know. I just, I don't, th- I don't know why some people were just so hung up on, like, not, it not seeming like a perfect connection or, or, or making a connection. And to, I don't know. What, what is a perfect connection? I mean, I don't know. Anyway, I wanted to at least put it out there in the world that it's pretty cool when some of our players have that direct impact and or have that clout and or, uh, you know, carry that kind of weight, so to speak, that other industries and other people that, uh, you know, are, are great in their own way, uh, recognize that and want to partner. I don't, I don't know. I just, I think it's really cool. And I don't even have an account on chess.com. I still can think it's cool. Right, should I get one now, Johnny? Do we have to play each other? Oh, gosh. That's that's like a bonus, bonus, bonus stream. I'm I'm not very good at chess. I'm uh, either am I. Yeah. So God, I mean, I'm only mis- rated like like thirty one hundred. I think is my would be my rating twenty twenty eight hundred maybe. I mean, yeah. we are technically masters. I think that rolls over to chess <laughs> exactly. too. Yeah, I mean, in five years, I'm going to be a grandmaster. I, so I mean, that's just, I do. Yeah, <laughs> and that just rolls right over into chess. I heard so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty uh, sure that that. I can't that imagine works. people who know what they were doing watching us play chess. How miserable would that be? Oh my god, they're just screaming. Yeah, they're just yelling. Well, that is that the equivalent of uh, of us watching some other people who are no. like, you know, pulling out a driver on no. on this you know 87 well, foot I, hole. I, I don't or think something. so because I, I don't think, know. I think one skill like disc golf is more skill based, as in like body movement and. Like you, you can, as opposed to chess, which is I think much more thoughtful of a of of a sport. That like there's just like I can understand someone not knowing how to throw a disc. I get that. I, <laughs> like watching somebody just do something. Compl- it, it would be like watching. <laughs> it's like why it, to uh, me it'd be like watching your kid try to drive their car with two feet. You know, gas and brake. It's huh. just like, no, you can't. That's not how you do it. 
Like, I feel like that's how someone watching us playing chess would probably be. Like, just, you, you know, you know what uh, I all think the that undersells do. the disappointment. <laughs> that undersells it. I think that still massively <laughs> undersells it. Probably. Like, I don't even, I mean, I hear only because of yeah. somebody making a comment somewhere. I don't even know what's considered a good or bad opening move. And the fact that there's obviously these, you know, these, you know, uh, moving my little pawn guy. strategy. Yeah. yeah, hundreds of years of strategy as to what's an opening move uh, and where you should should or shouldn't be. Like the fact that I don't even have that down, I think tells everybody all you need to know about how good of a chess player I am. So uh, it it is funny. I have not played a legitimate game of chess in pro. I'm gonna guess ten or fifteen. I don't remember the last time I did. So it does make me yeah. think. Yeah, maybe I should. I, I haven't Maybe played a game of chess for probably account. eight years. I think I played with my son when he was little. But, mm. like, I, I wouldn't even call that a game. We were just kind of learning the sport. He was learning the game mm. of chess or sport of chess, depending on what you want to call it. I don't really care what you call it. But, like... Anyway. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, our producer had plenty to say about chess. He went to, like, chess mm-hmm. uh, school. Uh, and and knows plenty about chess. And as I said yeah. on the board earlier, I'll Mo say used this. to play chess. Like, ah. like Mo was on chess. dot com yeah. in my basement when we were at the house. There was two things oh, yeah. he used to. There were two things he used to play either between rounds or right after the round ended. He'd either play Magic the Gathering online or he played chess or Tinder. I, oh yeah, chess. Yeah. No, he wasn't tindering. <laughs> um, those were the two things I would sit and watch him play, and he get so he either get frustrated at himself, or, or even playing chess or magic, or just or chuckle at the idiocy of somebody else. Like that's that's huh. fine. Yeah. Well, nonetheless, uh, I had one more. Oh, uh, just as I said on the board earlier, I didn't want to even dip into any chess puns because I didn't. I don't need help sounding dumber. Like there's there are. Again, I know all the pieces and I know their general moves. Got all that. I wasn't about to to infuriate somebody. And usually, usually you know me, I don't really hold back or get too concerned about sounding dumber. In this case, because I think it's such a, st- a strategic and intelligent game, I didn't really even want to uh, dig for or try to I think- uh, come up with any chess puns uh, by, by design. Because mm. I... I can only imagine how much that would infuriate someone. No, Just I think because I, I like, think you could get away with if the I'm chess gonna puns. pun. I need to pun on something that's yeah. that I that I genuinely know what I'm talking about. And 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 I would say you're maybe I don't want to say you're above anything, but maybe you're above <laughs> the when, when uh, Evelina tapped in checkmate. I mean, maybe you're above that that one, but not by uh, much. And that wasn't. I don't know. I mean. Somebody said how long you were sitting on that. Uh, it, our, our good friend Matt Parker actually had text uh, text me something but, or other about saying checkmate, and he he sent it in the middle of the round. And I already thought like at if, some if, point yeah. if it seems appropriate, like yeah. then I'd be willing to do so. And I I typed him back. I should you should see my text message. I typed him back. And said I don't think it's possible till eighteen. And mm-hmm. clearly that was largely because I just felt like this is anyone's game. Of course, you you, you can't pull that back. Like that's that's so finite. Yeah. Like you, I have to be certain if I'm going to utter that phrase, and I yeah, wasn't even it, guaranteed that I was going to. Yeah, if you're, yeah, but if, when she did threw you, that shot, it it felt. Did you say checkmate? Right. I didn't yeah. hear. Oh, I didn't even hear that. No, and somebody, oh. somebody, dare I say, somebody complimented me on it and said it was one of the coldest calls they've seen in sports or something. It wasn't that clever. 
let's be no. fair. Because no. plenty of you were thinking it. Maybe so it I wasn't know. that clever. But yeah, she threw the the Anheuser up on 18. Yep. And I said, checkmate Evelina. Um, yeah. So, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's funny because in talking to Val, Val certainly didn't play in any chess because she doesn't know chess at all. So she would have never uttered a check or a checkmate or anything like that uh, whatsoever. And I was very reserved all weekend. I was trying to be a good boy. I mean, I had other stupid sayings and things that I said out there that I called. Uh, I, I know somebody was leaning up against a rock, and I said, between a rock and a hard place. Um, you did, you then, did when, course, when we, we saw two cows, you said, you know, yeah. uh, ho- holy cow. Holy cow, what a competition. <laughs> what a competition. Sure. <laughs> I, I mean, come on. <laughs> you can't take all the puns out of me or all the fun, but uh, I was very reserved because I didn't want to insult any any chess uh, strategist out there whatsoever. So, all right. Yeah. Barbasol, put it on your face. I, I and only because I mean, that's she's, my own line. Yeah. That is your own line. And only because Until she's out on the board. Wants to get it from me. Only because she's out on the board. We will say that the star of the show this weekend was not the course. It was not the winners. It, it was, was the, the baby. Brush. No, it was the baby. baby. Yeah. It was Pablo eh. Macbeth. I saw, eh. I saw it's tons. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean the DOS baby. I mean that I have now, you know, spent some time with and been able to hang out with. I don't know. It's gonna be uh, that that will be that will be a battle, huh? They ever go out and play some golf uh, against one another, the DOS baby and the Macbeth baby. But anyway, it's. I, I saw a lot of Instagram, yes. a lot of social media posts with people holding baby Pablo, and uh, I mean, yeah. seems like seems like a winner. I mean. I guarantee yeah. you Terry and I will drop him if we get to hold him, one of us, <laughs> yeah. just in general. Yeah. I haven't managed to drop any kids lately. Uh, so that's, well, no. I, I mean, I'm not a, since I'm mine were little. I dropped, I, dropped <laughs> mine, I dropped mine on his head once in your house. Yep. I, lifted, yep. I lifted him up into a fan, a moving fan once. <laughs> yep. I did that uh-huh. once. Only the fan, the fan blade only got him twice, like a thunk, thunk, and I was like, "Oh thunk, crap!" Thunk. <laughs> like you lift him up by <laughs> the crib, and, and I just yeah. like, "Oh hey, buddy!" Thunk, thunk, like whoops, whoops. No. He's, he's all right. He's on the robotics team now, and knock some sense into him. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I've never actually dropped a baby. Thankfully, I sat one down once when I was when I was young. I was like early. I was probably twenty. And I didn't know squat about kids. It was yeah. a big kid. It was like three months old. I set it down, like thinking it could just sit up. <laughs> I put my hands away. It sat there. I took two steps away, and the baby just went thump and just tipped over and bumped its head like barely on a, an Xbox, an original Xbox. That's how old, long ago well, this was. Well, you can watch DGN so, using that Xbox. No, yeah, not anymore. Maybe. Yeah, those are the only uh, those are the only bad things I do, I've done with babies. I've never dropped one though, so that's good. Yeah, I, not a, I not a small baby. Not yet. I mean, anything's possible. Yeah, uh, it was just a ceiling yeah, fan, yeah. Hannah Macbeth. Just a ceiling. I mean, it's just again those things. It was like on this. It yeah, was in the, the, I mean, like this. It wasn't even going that fast. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, I I don't need an after show. If you want to have no, one, I, I don't know. I'm, I I think I'm I'm good. Again, I got a ton of stuff to do. I'm sitting outside, which is actually nice. I'm outside. Uh, big shout out to my friends uh, Dan and Robin, uh, part of the First Light crew. I Shout them out all the time whenever yep. I'm in Arizona doing coverage. 
and here they are hosting me tonight to uh, to have the uh, podcast right here, uh, and, and within very last minute um, of asking them. So big thanks to them uh, as well. All right. Um, yeah, I don't know if we got anything else on the board no. that needs to just be discussed, <laughs> but uh, I think we should be all good to go. Uh, Memorial, a lot of people taking this weekend off, traveling to Texas and or getting to wherever they need to be. And yet we're going to see some pretty good. I just real quick, since we are on that topic that I just <laughs> let us do, I'll quickly say, um, and I'm just going to simply sort by uh, rating this weekend. Some of the people that you may or may not see this weekend, uh, as I rattle off by rating, Gannon Burr, Isaac Robinson, Anthony Barella, Alden Harris, Gossage, Drew Gibson, Never heard Babcock, of him. Parker Welk, Never heard of him. Uh, Paul Uliberry, Silas oh. Schultz, Connor Rock, oh. Levi, uh, Cupcake, uh, Jacob Curtis, Andrew Miranda, who just won over at the uh, uh, the Wintertime Classic. So he's here as, as well. And then on the FPO side, quickly, I'll read off a couple of our sorting by rating. We've got Owen Scoggins, Jennifer Allen, hmm. Sophia Donicky, uh Violet Maine, uh, Katarina, who's here from Norway, uh, Joe Henderson, who you guys have heard on the podcast uh, that uh, her and Paige Pierce were doing, and she makes a ton of other content. So Joe Henderson's in from Canada. So And Hannah Savanovich. Yeah. Anyway. Pretty cool. Uh, we've got such a great MP40 field. I may or may not be able to get the final round of them covered. And it might even come out in 2024 if I do. But uh, we got a great MP40 field and lots of other great players. So anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. That's what's going on here at the Memorial this weekend. Uh, City of Mobile. Yep, City of Mobile Championships going on over there. And uh, Philip Tate says, have fun. Johnny and I played in what year? Well, we were there in 98. Was it 8? 97 and 98? I think 97 so Philip, and I don't 98. know if you were born yet, but we were at the City of Mobile Championships. <laughs> don't say that. 19. So, we're so old. <laughs> in God. 1998. 98, 99 maybe. It was, it was for sure 98 because that's where I met mm-hmm. Leslie Herndon. I played yeah. with her when we mixed cards first round. We got in the car, and I think on a, on a videotape somewhere, I'll find it someday, I said, I played with this Leslie during round one. She's going to come to Wisconsin and win AM Worlds. And four months later, she did exactly that. Yeah. Just saying. All right. That's about it. Next week, we'll recap some memorial action, and we'll probably talk about a preview for Waco uh, as we're heading there. That's New course. four rounds, two different courses with four rounds and uh, super excited. Keep things rolling. And uh, that's all we got. So I won't ramble on anymore. This has been Smashbox TV's podcast 495. Big shout out to everyone on the Disc Golf Pro Tour, along with the crew over at Olympus, everybody for making everything happen, and the tireless, insane turnaround, uh, unbelievable work as well by the entire media crew to have these very long days in these conditions and whatnot. So thank you to everybody over there. I want to get that in there. Uh, we appreciate it. Congrats yet again to Evelina Salonen along with your MPO champion and Anthony Barella. For Johnny V, I'm the Disc Golf Guy. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you this week for some memorial coverage. Like, share, subscribe, do all the YouTube things, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashboxtv.